Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 532 of the Juicebox Podcast. On today's show, I'll be speaking with Raquel. Raquel has type 1 diabetes. She's trying to help people with type 1 diabetes, and she drove me to the airport. That's pretty much how she got on the show. That's it. It's that easy. Give me a ride to the airport. You get to come on the podcast. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. couple of quick reminders here. Please head over to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box and fill out the survey if you're a U.S. resident who has type 1 diabetes or a U.S. resident who is the caregiver of someone with type 1. You'll be supporting type 1 diabetes research when you do, and you'll be supporting the podcast. t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Hi, I'm Raquel, and some of you might know me as Type 1 Day on Instagram. Um, I've had Type 1 for 19 years. I wear the Tandem T-Slim Pump and the Dexcom. I'm also the founder of Type 1 Together. We provide resources and products for kids with Type 1 and also for their parents. And yeah, fun fact, I drove Scott to the airport from the JDRF Dallas Summit to, yeah, he needed a ride. So that happened. Oddly, oddly funner fact, I believe I mentioned that for the very first time in an episode that just went up recently. So. You know what? I was listening yesterday and then I heard that, you know, your wife thought you'd be murdered by me. So well, not by you cool. specifically, <laughs> not by you. specifically. I know. Yeah. Someone eventually. It was so funny. Yeah. I was like, oh, that would be me. I am that person. <laughs> well, you're just the person that facilitated the story. You weren't the person I thought might murder me. I have yes, met people. I <laughs> Actually, I'm going to interview a woman next week who I thought was at least going to punch me at one of the events. And it turns out she loves me. So there we go. We're all good. Oh. See? I bring, I bring people around. Yeah. I can see how it can be. It can be scary for sure. So, Raquel, at the very beginning, you said your um, Instagram handle but i don't think you said it very clearly oh type one day so like taking what diabetes one day at a time was kind of the how i started that years ago i don't know but yeah type one day <laughs> isn't it funny when you look back and everybody's like type one this t1 that blah 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 and you, you can't keep yeah. that image straight you think when you made it you're like this is so like it, this is the one <laughs> and <laughs> i used to i know <laughs> yeah i used to joke with people like I would go to like blogging conferences used to be a thing and I've gone to a handful of them in my life and they'd go around the room and people would introduce themselves and people would be like, hi, my name is blah. And I'm from like diabetes, this and diabetes, that and type one, this, and you know, the sugars and blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, Hey, I'm Scott. I write a blog called Arden's day. And everybody would look at me like the, the word diabetes isn't in there anywhere. And I mean, that's better at this point because you stand out. Turned out that was true. But in the moment in that room, I was like, did I mess up by not like 
putting the word diabetes <laughs> in my title. And then one at one of them, I made the joke out loud. I was like, obviously, I screwed up not putting the word diabetes in the title. And then I realized later, I don't think people saw that as me joking about myself. I think the people yeah. in the room saw me like mocking them for doing it. And I never meant it that way. But yeah, what am I going to do? Everybody can't get it worked the humor. out. Everyone can't get the humor. So um, here's what I remember. You tell me if I'm right. Sure. Dallas sucked for me because it didn't give me the opportunity to do what I normally do at things. Um, it, it was great in a lot of other ways, but I'm very accustomed. So my schedule is if you have me in to speak, I speak in the morning, I speak mm -hmm. at lunch, I speak in the afternoon, and then I run and I talk to the kids' room, and then I get on a plane. And the way I think of that is, first of all, I I can't stand the idea of flying somewhere to talk for an hour. That just seems stupid. And yeah. secondly, I think that the ideas that I'm pumping out are probably so far from center for most people that they need a little bit of a primer. So I kind of come in and I'm like, hey, imagine if this could happen. That's the first hour. And then you get enough of them. They're like, that makes sense. And then they show up at lunch and they listen again and everybody else is there and they get to hear it for the first time too. So the people who didn't come to the first one but came to the second one have an opportunity to come to the third one because that one's just a and a I just go in and I answer everybody's questions. And then my right. my my real like love of being at these things is then you go to the kids because I imagine in my mind that people don't show up at type 1 diabetes conferences because their blood sugar management is terrific and they're there to celebrate, right? Like they're there <laughs> because they're lost and stuff is not going well. And my biggest fear is that the kids get home, the parents are now armed with what they heard me talking about. They turn to the kids and they're like, I have an idea. I heard, I, you know, imagine you're the kid. And you've had diabetes for a year or three years or whatever you've had it. And you've watched your parents struggle to figure this out. And they've never once gotten anything right. So you're just going to think, mm -hmm. wait, what? Like take the insulin a little sooner or like, but that's and the, so I want to put the kids on board with the ideas so that when they yeah. get together with their parents, it's a nice mesh. And that was, that's my goal. But I didn't get to do that in Dallas because I was filling in for somebody. Um, but yeah, another, yeah, I, I wish you were the keynote for sure. But um, but that room was so packed and I feel like people were so invested in it. And I mean, I've been a panel speaker for a couple of conferences and, you know, people aren't, you can tell when people aren't really paying attention. So yeah, I think it's cool that you get to speak to the kids sometimes. I didn't even realize that, but um, I still think that it was so impactful for so many people. They had their phones out, they were taking pictures, they were taking notes. That was really cool to see. Yeah. Well, I did, Um, I mean, I did slip into the kids room. Um, oh, good. <laughs> in Dallas. I was like, Hey, they're like playing some game. I'm like, can I just talk to the kids for a minute? The guy running the room was looking at me like, what? And I'm like, it's okay. I'm one of the speakers. <laughs> It'll be fine probably. And so I just gave him like a quick 20 minutes, showed them some graphs that I had on my phone. And you know, they look at those graphs and they're like, that's me. That's my life. Like that's the crap yeah. I live with. You know what I mean? And I was like, it doesn't have to be like this. I'm like, look at this one. Look at that one. All that person did was a few things you guys could listen to the podcast or you could talk to your parents about it. I just spoke to your parents upstairs. Like I still did the whole, at, at that point I said, I'm going to talk to your parents later. Cause they held me to like the end of the day too, mm -hmm. which was, um, I don't know. I was anyway, so I had all this damn time and you and I got to talk a fair amount 
or, or at least yeah. for me, way more than I usually get to talk to people. So it was nice to meet <laughs> that you. That was funny. Yeah. yeah, I've been such a fan of the podcast for so long now. And it's funny because a lot of the type one community here in Austin, which is where I live, I'm from Dallas originally. Um, they just kind of laugh because every time we meet a newly diagnosed person, I'm always like, you have to listen to the podcast. And I think they get annoyed with me because I just mention it way too much. But it's funny because I was even on a walk yesterday with um, one of my type one friends here. And I was like, yeah, I'm recording for the juice box podcast. And they're like, what? Like you talk about that all the time. You're going to be on it. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I actually got to meet Scott. So it was kind of funny. It's a full circle moment. And I feel like you just, you give people the permission to do those things that doctors don't, you know, tell you. And it's weird because it's so simple, but it's like, if you don't see other people doing it, you don't think there's any other way. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's crazy to me. No, I mean, but it, it works. it's, well, it definitely works. And there's often times that I just feel like my job is like, I'm like the excited coach on the sideline who smacks you on the ass as you're running away and goes, you can do it. Get, you know, like go get them. It's mm-hmm. just sometimes, like you said, it's just the idea that I, I thought these were the rules and it turns out there are no rules really and i could try things that make sense to me that's one of the one of the um the speed bumps that i see people get stuck on it's most heartbreaking to me is the idea of the ones who saw it and knew they were doing the wrong thing and almost could imagine the right thing but just did not have the nerve to break free of what they were being told to try it once and right. that to me is like i don't know like like imagine Imagine you're in a room with a closed door and on the other side of the door is the love of your life. And someone tells you, you're not allowed to open that door and you take that seriously. But every day you have this feeling like the the person I'm meant to be with forever is on the other side of this door. And you find out five years later, it's true. And somebody else walks in and says, you could just go ahead and open the door. It's no big deal. And you open it and there they are. (laughs) And now you've lost these five years, right? Of, and you knew you knew what to do and there's a a loss in that feeling that i don't like to know that people go through makes me upset i'm with you yeah Yeah. especially just yeah all the people i meet that even with their kids they they just want to follow what the doctor is saying which i totally understand but it's so sad to think that the doctor's advice could be hurting them more than just you know listening to the community or other ways or thinking outside of the box so or, or embracing common sense yeah. a lot of times yeah i know you know like i mean you it really stop and th- really stop and think about what i say sometimes on the podcast like at some points i'm like if you bolus for something your blood sugar goes up and never comes back down next time i'd bolus more <laughs> is, right. that, is that like <laughs> who would have thought earth shattering <laughs> ideas really like you know like and I, I know i've usually i used to break it down by saying like you know if you if you learn to drive and someone told you never push the brake down more than halfway and you were coming towards a tree or a wall and you pressed the brake down halfway and you still were like oh i'm going to hit the tree would you actually say to yourself I guess I could push harder on this brake thing, but the guy told me not to. <laughs> like, no, you'd, right, be, right. you'd be like, oh, God, I got to stop. You'd push harder. And it, really, it's all we're talking about is uh, just finding the right amount of insulin, insulin for the scenario that you're in. Um, mm-hmm. I met your mother. Why did I meet your mother? <laughs> yeah, so so I was there. Um, like I said, I'm from Dallas. I was staying with her, and I actually had a booth for my company, Type 1 Together, at the summit. And so she was just really excited to see me doing that there. And it's a fairly new business. And so, um, yeah, she was there just supporting me and meeting some of my friends. And 
she got to meet you too, which is pretty cool. Your mom is an unpaid intern. Is that what you're telling me? Oh, yeah, basically. (laughs) It's perfect. You're probably an unpaid intern most days, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah, all the days. (laughs) So so you you were talking to me at the time, if I'm correct, about, was it a babysitting thing you were trying to set up? Yeah. So basically, um, so to go back a little bit, when I was in college at UT Austin, I was part of the College Diabetes Network chapter. And uh, through that, connected a lot with JDRF. And they would always forward us, you know, all the parents that were looking for babysitters because college age, age kids are perfect for that. And I started just kind of meeting all these people in the community and then connecting all of these families to other friends that I had with type one who could babysit when I wasn't available. Mm-hmm. So it became this thing that um, I was just kind of doing on the side and just saw how much of a need it was. You know, these parents literally had hadn't gone on dates in months or ever since their child was diagnosed. And it was just heartbreaking. And just having someone there that knew how to give the insulin and do all the things meant so much. Like some of them could go and not even look at their phone. Yeah. not even look at the Dexcom. They could just trust that we knew what we were doing and everything would be fine. So it kind of inspired me to start Type 1 Together, which originally was a babysitting connection service for Type 1 families. So I was in Dallas and Austin at the time that we met. and um, But I launched in November of 2019. So it was a little bit before COVID. I was starting to get momentum there. But then when COVID hit, obviously, things just got really complicated on the babysitting side. And there's already a lot of liability because you think babysitting and then diabetes and then COVID. (laughs) And so it just got to be really challenging. And I sort of decided, let me just put that to the side, at least for now. And my true passion and something I've wanted to do for so long is provide resources to parents um, in a lot of other ways, because through babysitting, I started to kind of informally coach a lot of these parents on their child's management because they'd be gone for hours and I'd have their kids at, you know, 80, 100 for, for a while. And when I'm not there, they're, you know, on the roller coaster. Mm -hmm. So, um, I would start to, you know, get coffee with them and talk to them about different methods that honestly, you've, you've probably taught me most of them. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, are um, you charging people for this? Cause I would like a piece of it. I'm just kidding. What? I said, are you charging people for this? Cause I'd like a piece. <laughs> yeah, I'll see what I can do. So ten percent seems reasonable. <laughs> yes. Um, so you would I, talk to them and say, "Look, I, I'm, my imagination says they get home and they're like, wait, why is this kid's blood sugar normal when we're not with him?' And then this, <laughs> this curl leaves and everything goes to hell again." Yes, yeah. basically. And a lot of it really did come down to fear of, you know, well, the doctor says I should do this. And I'm just nervous to go outside of that. But I would just encourage them to like, make little adjustments slowly. And eventually they'd realize, like you said, if you can be at a straight line at 200, you can be at a straight line at 130, 120, so on. So yeah. um, then I kind of shifted gears. And um, we have a few really fun products. So we make these Diabetes. I actually have a cousin who crochets these really cute stuffed animals. So we collaborated and we now make these diabetes that have insulin pumps and CGMs on them. So you can customize. We have like a unicorn. That was our first one. We have dinosaur. We have a little penguin that we just did for winter time. And um, we have a shark. So basically you can choose whatever devices you want, whatever colors you want, and you can customize all that. And then she'll make it um, individually, which is really fun. And then Recently, I launched a program called Living Type 1 Together, which um, by the time this comes out, who knows what we'll be doing. But right now we have a three-month program set up for parents of type 1 kids, um, basically so that 
I can, it's a group program. So we have calls each week and then I have an RD on my team. So we have the nutrition side there. She's a professional. She also has type one. And then I sort of, you know, I don't, I'm not a doctor and I'm not going to ever claim that I am, but I do think I have a lot to share from my 19 years of experience. Mm -hmm. So, um, we do that. And then we have individual calls with the families as well as group calls. So they get the community aspect. And then we have some guest speakers like endocrinologists, CDEs, things like that. So Basically, the goal here is just to fill the gap between endo care and like real life because, you know, they just don't always look at the whole picture. Like, how are your emotions affecting everything? How, you know, your stress levels, what you're eating. Um, and yeah, I don't know where exactly we're going. We have a really cool launch coming out soon. It'll probably be out um, by the time this comes out, but but I'll keep that a surprise. So, yeah. So you're just trying to just trying to put good stuff out in the world and see what happens. Basically, I don't really know what I'm doing, but at the same time, I feel like I'm moving in the right direction. And, you know, I've already connected with so many cool families. And so if this doesn't work out, that is what it is. But I'm trying. No, that's uh, that's really all you can do. I I have to say, um, just this week, I recorded with someone who I had uh, I asked to come on because they were misdiagnosed for a number of years. And then they found the podcast before their type one diagnosis was completely made. And so they never had, um, they never had like any time where they were truly, you know, diagnosed as type one, where they didn't understand what the podcast was talking about. And so I said, you know, could you come on and explain to me like what, what you got out of that? And, you know, I asked her to come on because part of me wants her to explain it so that the people listening can have a firm grasp of what the podcast could possibly do for different people or different situations. But there's the other part of me that just wants her to explain to me what the podcast is, because (laughs) I think like you and probably like a lot of people, I started a thing with an idea in my head and I'm just, I'm lucky it, it caught on um, because a lot of people start a lot of things that just don't resonate, you know, and there's no real rhyme or reason for that. It's not like you can go figure out what did or didn't work. And, but the podcast has become more than I anticipated. And like, sometimes every once in a while, I need someone to come tell me what it is to them so that I can almost understand what it is I'm shepherding, if that makes sense. It's, uh, oh, it does. Yeah. It does. Like, yeah. even if I just, I talked to a newly diagnosed family, like literally they're a week in, um, And they're like, yeah, I left the hospital without learning how to give an injection. I don't know what I'm doing. I need to talk to someone every day. Like I, you know, and it's like, okay, this is why I'm trying to do this. This Mm -hmm. is, it's just that reminder of like, okay, what I'm doing is meaningful because when you're putting stuff out all the time, it kind of feels like, okay, is this doing anything? Like (laughs) I'm spending so much time on this, but, um, but yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. Content's a really interesting uh, making air quotes with my fingers, which is odd because this is audio and you can't see me a business <laughs> to be in because you can put great content out and just nobody finds it or, yeah. or you can delude yourself into believing nobody finds it. And it turns out they found it and they don't like you. You, you know what I mean? Like, or they don't like the, I've, there's a, so Raquel, I've done a number of things during the, um, the, 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 the COVID crisis. Um, and I just tried to teach myself some new stuff along the way. I taught myself how to make like handmade pizza dough that, you know, you cold ferment for days and, you know, you cook it in a certain way. And I, I at this point now make a pizza as good or better than the ones you can buy in my area, which is saying something because 
<laughs> I, I actually live in a, I live in a, I live in a place where the two most popular pizza establishments in New Jersey exist. And my wife the other day, Kelly, the person I've been married to for almost 25 years, said to me, your pizza is better than the ones we buy. And Kelly wow. does not say nice things to me easily. So <laughs> she must – like she wouldn't – like a lot of you are out there like, oh, I tell my husband all the time he does stuff nice and makes him feel better. My, my wife never does anything just to make me feel better. So it's – you know, we've known each other too long. So she believes this, which is lovely. Um, I taught myself how to smoke barbecue. I and now I'm teaching myself to fly a drone. So I bought a really Ooh. inexpensive drone. Somebody gave it to me for Christmas and I'm like learning how to do it. So I go and look for videos because I have a real spatial issue. Like once I'm not line of sight with something, I'm I I struggle to orient it. You know what I mean? Like like I'm not great yeah. at video games and so <laughs> anyway, so I'm trying to watch these here's the point. I'm watching these videos. Okay. Jesus Raquel, I got wordy there. And um <laughs> there's this guy that makes these videos about flying the specific one that I have. And mm -hmm. his content is fantastic. He's not particularly pleasant to look at, and his voice is grating. But the okay. content is rock solid, right? And so yeah. I wa I watch his videos, but his counts, his like, you know, his views on YouTube are they're paltry compared to other people mm -hmm. who are putting out similar videos with not nearly as good content in it. And that's the game though. You have to figure out how do you get in front of the right people? I'm learning that very fast. Like it's not half of the battle is what are you offering? But that's almost the easy part. It's like, how do you get how do you get people to find you? It, and and the truth is, you can't. You, you want my opinion? I don't think you can get people to find you. I think mm -hmm. you, and this is just my opinion, maybe I'm wrong, maybe there might be some like brilliant marketer out there, um, but I think you make a thing and that thing resonates or it doesn't. If it right. does, someone will tell someone else about it and you can't force them to tell someone else about it. You, That's absolutely true. Yeah. yeah. You, you get doing a giveaway, you know, like tweet about me or tell a friend and we're going to give away a, the, it. That doesn't work. Like that's the right. it has it, to be good value. Do you throw the dice and they land on your number or they don't? And that's yeah. how I've come to think of it. And I mean, like I said, there might be some Machiavellian way to trick people into doing a thing, but is that really who you want? You know, like right. I, I think no, that's so true. Like I think I could hire someone who understood marketing, right? And I could probably I could probably double the downloads of the podcast if I did that. But then mm -hmm. who is it that's listening? It, it's not people who care. Right. It's not people who are Right. Invested. You want the people that want to be there that really value your content. Yeah. No, you're you're 100% right. Because those people build a core because they really want to be there. They really genuinely want, need, or enjoy what you're doing. And that creates, I mean, in the, in the short, you know, to say it really quickly, Raquel, like you have to have a long view of things, in my opinion. Like you can't mm -hmm. like get rich quick or make this work real fast. It, it just flames out too much. Like I think if you really look around the diabetes community and say to yourself, who's generating content in 2021 who was generating content in 20, uh, 2007, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I've got to be one of the only ones. 
And, yeah, and so no, you've definitely done the long game. So that's that's to me is the idea. And that's how now so the podcast aside, that's how you really generate content that helps people. Right? Because yeah. it's solely focused on them, not on the um the growth of the thing you're doing. So it, that's yes. my that's yeah. my advice. It's not great advice for people who'd like to, mm-hmm. you know, pay a bill anytime in the next 10 years. But, um, you know, I did. No, this. I know it's a slow process. For yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah. No, I did this for seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. I'm counting 13. The most exciting <laughs> thing to do on a podcast, 14. I did this for nine years um, in writing and rebuked every offer I ever got for any kind of ad. I would always say, no, thank you. Um, At one point when I was writing, this is, you know, so many generations of of leadership ago, uh, Omnipod tried to give me Arden's Omnipods for free. And Mm -hmm. I was like, no, thank you. I was like, "Um, I'd rather not. Like, I'd rather just keep our relationship separate. And, um, you know, I'll I'll write for your blog. uh, But I don't want, like, you know, I I don't want that. And it was a really kind thing they were you know, at the time that I don't mm-hmm. even know if it was an offer, they were trying to figure out how to do it. I, you know, and I was like, no, no, I'm again, I know other content providers back then that were wearing pumps for free and everything. And I was like, I, I don't want that. Um, and I, then I, you know, I was like, can we give it away to like a less fortunate person? And mm-hmm. believe it or not, legally, that was so incredibly impossible to do. I couldn't make that happen. Well, I believe it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> well, that's so nice. And yeah, I think, you know, I, I definitely work a lot of other jobs um, and I, yeah, I have a, a long vision for this. And like you said, if it brings value to people, great. And if not, it doesn't, but you know, a lot of it is just listening to what people need and responding to that, which I think you've done a really great job of too. Thank you. And, and I think too, you have to think of it as like, it's like you started out day trading with a hundred dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you can make $120, you know, if you can turn your hundred into 120, it's a massive growth increase. If you step back and go, I have $120, that doesn't seem very exciting. But if you can think, I increased my my money here by a fifth, that's exciting. Then you got to remember the next time you increase it, you might increase it to $140. And, and you have to be willing to go at that pace. Like I'm telling you, my blog used to get 100, 150 clicks a month when I first made it like a hundred, like imagine what that must've been. What do you think? Like maybe 10 people were reading the blog, you know? And I was, and and now the truth is now I get millions of clicks on my blog and I'm like, I don't even worry about it. I don't even think about it. Like when we, when I sell ads at the end of the year, some people are like, can we get an ad on the blog? And I was like, what do you want that for? The podcast is where you want your ad. They're like, no, mm-hmm. we'd like a clickable ad on the blog too. And I'm I'm always like, all right, whatever. And they're just like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And then one day I was talking to somebody who does web work and they're like, you know, you have one of the most popular diabetes blogs in the world. I was like, I do? <laughs> like, I don't even know. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm, so stupid. I'm just like, really? She's like, you could really be selling those. And I was like, nah, it's fine. Like, it should just be a benefit of being <laughs> well, on the podcast. Well, it's not about that, right? Like, I think we both have the same goal in mind. Like, we both. I definitely, I hate even asking for money, truthfully. Like, I want to do all of this for free. I think um, it's just about helping people. But at the end of the day, 
I hope that this can be full time so that I can impact more people. So that that takes some money. <laughs> no, that it, <laughs> eventually it, cer- it certainly does. Like the, I, I don't want you to take me the wrong way. If if someone contacted me tomorrow and they're like, I am a beneficiary and I would like to, uh, you know, buy you Facebook ads or we have a way to grow your podcast where we could find people who really need it. I would want to hear about that, you, you know, like because really, um, until you until you see someone's life change like dramatically and drastically for the better in a short amount of time, and it stays that way, that's a very um, uh, it's a lovely feeling. And then you start, and then that next thought ends up being there are so many other people who didn't have this benefit. I wonder how I could at least offer it to them and whether they take it or not, I guess is on them, but, but I'd like to be able to show them that it exists. Gvoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages two and above. Not only is Gvoke Hypopen simple to administer, but it's simple to learn more about. All you have to do is go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk. And just a last reminder, t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. If you're a U.S. resident with type 1 or a U.S. resident who cares for someone with type 1 diabetes, this will take you less than 10 minutes easily. You can do it from, from your, I don't know, your sofa or your kitchen table, on your phone, your laptop, your computer, anywhere you reach the internet, really. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Get there, complete the survey, and that's it. You've helped people with type 1 through type 1 diabetes research, and you've supported the Juicebox podcast. There are links to all of the sponsors at juiceboxpodcast.com or right there in the show notes of the podcast player you're listening in now. Please tell me you're subscribed in that podcast player too, right? You've hit subscribe. Please do if you haven't. All right, let's get back to Raquel. And, and let them decide. You know, there are, there are people who absolutely who will tell me that uh, I've actually received notes. I've heard from people. It'll say that if I listen to this podcast, my A1C will blah, 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 and, you know, everything. I don't have time for that. Can you just tell me what to do? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you what to do. You listen to the podcast because that's <laughs> listen to the podcast. Yeah, that's yeah. what you put out. Yeah. I, it's, wow. all, it's all I have. Like, you, you want me to come live with you? Like, I'm not sure. Although I joked recently um, uh, that for the right amount of money, I would come to your house and live with you and fish you. But it would be a lot oh of money, God. just so you know. So I'd have to abandon my yeah. family for a couple of weeks. And, uh, but, but no, but seriously, though, it's just that feeling is great. And I think if you have that in you, like if you have the desire to help people and you have a message that resonates and you have the patience to grow it, you will end up helping a lot of people. Thank you. Yes, yeah. I agree. And you're a young person too, right? How old are you? Yes, I just turned 24. That is very young. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you're like five in my life. No, I know I'm young. Yeah. I like, I've always had a very like 
entrepreneurial kind of mindset, I guess. So were you trying to I'm sell your used diapers when you were four? Were you like, you can, you could use this crap to grow a flower. Were you, I don't know. <laughs> you weren't that entrepreneurial. <laughs> not, not quite. Can I, but, uh, but yeah, I, I have a question. I want to take a little bit of a detour here. Uh, okay. t- Texas in general does not seem to, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, they're not, they don't, it doesn't seem to as a state be treating COVID-19 the same as other places are. What's mm-hmm. the experience living there right now? Yeah. I mean, honestly, things are very open. Um, we're back at, I think 50% capacity for most businesses. Um, but it kind of feels like normal life, like at least if you're driving around or something, like there's traffic again, because Austin traffic is the absolute worst. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just have to wear a mask everywhere. I think, yeah, it's it's definitely a weird time. In Dallas, it's about the same. I think here people are a little bit more like aware of it and conscious of it. So I think the cases in Dallas are actually getting worse. But I don't know. It's I haven't been anywhere else since all of this started. And so there was a time period, obviously, when everything was shut down and we were, you know, completely at home. But now things are pretty open. I actually do marketing for a cycling studio in town. And so um, I get free classes there. And I haven't been going lately, but I mean, we're at 50% capacity. So that's 22 bikes in a room. You don't have to wear the mask while you're on the bike, but when you're off, you do. <laughs> and, um, you know, the classes are filling up. So it's pretty interesting. So when you're really huffing and puffing, you do not need to cover your face. But when you're just breathing normally, yeah. Yeah, you, all, all, you got it. <laughs> so I'm understanding. Okay, totally uh, makes sense. Because yeah. <laughs> because it seems to me that it's like that's the the word on Texas that it's it's pretty wide open, but that cases are pretty high there, right? They are, yeah. Yeah. So it's it, you, you you that state has embraced the we're just going to see what happens model, I guess. Yeah, I think they've said they're not like we're not going to shut down everything again. So, so what does that feel like? Know. What does that feel like to you internally? Like, are you do you walk outside and think all these? I'll, I'll just bleep this out later, but all these motherfuckers are dirty and I'm going to die, or like, or is it? Or do you just feel like? Do you feel like oh, this is working out okay? And like, how do you feel about COVID being young and healthy yeah. but having type one? So, I want to be really conscious for other people's sake truthfully i think for myself in my honest opinion i take really great care of my blood sugars of course that does not guarantee anything but i feel like i have a strong body to be able to fight it if i were to get it but i want to be careful so you know i i feel like i'm in that middle stage where i'm like okay i'm gonna go to the grocery store when i need to go like i'm not ordering stuff online um but i'm not going out just to go out and i've never been someone that like really loves like going to bars a lot or things like that. And so most, I think bars are closed still, um, even here, but, but yeah, I don't know. I feel relatively safe, but like I was just home with my family for a long time. And so before that, you know, being extra cautious, but really I'm, I'm just being cautious in general, if that makes sense. But like, we have a dog park in my apartment. I take my dog out there and like, I stay far away from people. We're all outside and I feel fine. Your dog, your apartment has a dog park. Yeah, it has a dog park in the middle. We have two buildings and it's very like people move here for this dog park because so many people go out there. It's like all fenced in and I re-signed again for next year. And I honestly did that mostly because of the dog park, because my dog needs to run around like he has so much energy and it's I love working out, but not necessarily going on like multiple hour long walks every day. Mm -hmm. 
So <laughs> it's very convenient. <laughs> That's fancy, is yeah. what I was thinking. I was like, I didn't get anything yeah, in the apartment I lived in when I was your age. <laughs> yeah. Just the pool it's we couldn't unlucky. really swim in. You know what I mean? Like it was uh yeah. it was weird. Um Okay. Well, I didn't mean to. It's. I. I apologize if I felt like if it felt like I put you on the spot. I know no one wants to say the wrong no. thing about COVID yeah. because someone will call you a COVID denier and you'll you, you know they'll try to cancel yeah. you. Uh, but no, I think that's a very reasonable response. And I just wondered what it was like in a place where they were just like, "That's it. We're all opening back up again. Go." Like I wonder what that felt like yeah. versus. It's funny. I, I have the same feeling. Like I don't believe there's anything I can't do at this point. But mm-hmm. we're just kind of meaningfully, meaning on purpose, staying away from other people. Like just yes, sort of exactly. like living your life, but then going home. And it's done the weirdest thing to my perception of time um, mm. and my understanding of what like like my body and my brain would get accustomed to. Like I now see how I could like just call this reality and I'd be okay with it. And it's, yeah, it feels it's, normal. It's interesting how adaptive we are. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I'm interested to see when we get to go back, when we'll get to have conferences again, because that's the biggest thing I miss is just seeing my friends. Like, I'll go on walks with people, but that's about it. So, yeah. Well, yeah. no, I mean, there's a lot of people around the diabetes space who really focus their efforts around those conferences and going to places to talk to people. And you guys kind of, you know, I've seen people create a, a little cabal of friendship and um mm-hmm. and i don't and I, I never use the conferences i don't i don't mean use like i i never treated them that way like i those were just always right. extra things i went and did um the, to me the podcast is the thing but yes. but it's uh it's nice like i i saw there's like a you guys had like a whole group of people who knew each other and uh yeah that yeah, was nice <laughs> it really was it is a really cool community because Dallas just tends to be one of the bigger conferences. And so a lot of people will be flown in like you were, or, you know, however it works, they'll come to speak. And so it just kind of works out. A lot of people get to meet from the online space in person there. And I've been to the Dallas one a few times. So I feel like got to meet a lot of like awesome people in the community. Yeah. I I feel very invisible at them. I don't imagine anyone <laughs> like, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but when I get there, I just feel like I'm wallpaper and then I just show up and stand up in the front of the room and then I leave. Uh, but no, I feel like people know, but they know your voice. Like, I don't know if people, maybe, I don't know if they know what you look like, but I feel like the older, like people my age don't listen to the podcast as much, um, which is interesting. Like you definitely have more of a parent audience, I would assume. Um, so it's not, but, but I'm the crazy person that's always like, Jesus Fox podcast. <laughs> Well, it's, thank you. It's not, it's actually, not, it's not about um, the people who listen are not broken down by uh, parent or adult with type one. But I would okay. agree with you that younger people, generally speaking, are probably the least of the, the audience. I think the audience sweet spots between like 28 and like 55 in there. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's not, it's funny. It's not, there are as many, if not maybe more like people living with type one listening as there are parents, but the parents are more vocal online than the the adults. (laughs) Right. And, um, and younger people in general, I think that's the time where you're not paying attention to your health the way you should be. Maybe. I don't know. Like, yeah, I think people just think they're invincible and, you know. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, 
like I didn't get a Dexcom until I was a sophomore in college and so many people wanted me to, but I was just like, no, like, I don't, you know, you just don't know what you're missing, honestly. Um, and it kind of makes it feel like you don't, like, you don't know what's going on. Right. So it's like not happening. <laughs> um, and my, my body had definitely gotten used to just being higher before that time. And so I think if people aren't in the community, they're less likely to have Dexcom. I've definitely noticed that. Um, unless, and you know, I think endos are starting or CGM in general, I think endos are starting to push them more, but before it was kind of like, if you didn't have, um, if you weren't, if you weren't in the community, if you didn't know that people would type one, like you're just kind of like, Oh, I use shots. I do whatever. And it's not, you don't really think twice about it. And so I think that was definitely me for a really long time. And then once I started to get more involved, I was like, Oh, like these people are actually paying attention to what their blood sugars are doing. Like maybe I should do that. Yeah. Well, I can <laughs> so tell you, interesting. I'm not a doctor for certain, but I can tell you one thing a hundred percent sure about, uh, your, your health, uh, Pretending it's not happening is not a, a, val- a viable way to manage it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I If I don't yeah. look, it's not there. Definitely doesn't work. It also doesn't work <laughs> with serial killers in your closet, by the way. They're going to come out at some point and stab you in the face. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and it's scary that your body will adapt to whatever is going on with your blood sugar. So you'll start to just feel normal, and then you think you're fine because you're like, oh, I feel fine, so I'm fine. But it's really, not. It's really, it's really your body trying to stay alive as long as it can. Mm-hmm. that's what it's doing. It's like, all right, I'll give up on that and I'll, I'll move the, you know, I'll move some soldiers over here and, you know, but eventually it is the thing that gets you, whatever it is you're ignoring, your body will do an amazing job of keeping you going through it, but eventually you can't ignore it forever. And, you know, it, it will, that is true. it will fail you at some point. Um, I also think that people your age, and I, I only mean this in the nicest way, um, when it, what do I want to say? <laughs> the idea of the diabetes online community, right, is yes. is lovely and valuable, and also in some ways, it's nebulous. Cool. It's no, it's not real because because um. because if if I said to you in any other walk of life, let's just pick a number. Here are one point eight million people who enjoy cheese, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and 40,000 of them have an online presence where they talk about their love of cheese. This is the <laughs> online cheese community. They really yeah. represent, percentage-wise, none, uh, almost none of the 1.8 million cheese lovers. Like, there are 1.75 million other cheese lovers who do not go on Instagram, don't go on Facebook, and are still mm-hmm. loving cheese in a way that you would you would just respect, and and right, so that's that, that so that's the interesting thing to me is that is that online feels like the place, but it really is just a small segment of people. Yes, yes. that it, of the of the bigger number, and I probably used to think like that more too until the podcast, because now I can see the podcast downloads. And mm-hmm. I can see the interaction online and the amount of people listening versus the amount of people who say something on Facebook or Instagram. There's a huge, huge difference between those oh, two. Oh, yeah. Numbers, right? Yeah. And so that's, I mean, I didn't think it was cool to be like 
like for a long time, I was like, why are there people posting out diabetes? Like, why are people going to diabetes events? My mom used to try to drag me to those summits when I was younger and I refused. Yeah, I would too. Um, it's not something you like want to talk about, but I mean, I've seen it make a difference once I started actually meeting people in person. Like, that's really the only reason why I do it. Like, I kind of hate social media, but at the same time, I've actually met really cool people, you know, gotten to do really cool things with them and um, learned a lot from them, more importantly. So, yeah. that's where it's meaningful to me but yeah you kind of have to get past that weirdness and honestly like i have a normal instagram account and then my type one account and whenever my normal friends normal you know what i mean <laughs> whenever they find my diabetes account i'm just like oh gosh why are they gonna follow this like they're gonna think it's so boring and whatever but it, it's cool because a lot of them find it so interesting and um it's just such a weird disease to have it's so intricate and people don't realize that so right can we start yeah. calling those other people normally pancreas is that a word? Can we, yes, there we go. Can we make up words? They're, they're normally pancreas to people. Um, yes. <laughs> but but no, but don't get me wrong. I please don't. I think it's amazing. I think it's oh, yeah. fantastic. And there's a part of me that wishes you could spread it to those other 1.7 million people. But the truth is, those people aren't interested in that. Like social yep. media in general is fascinating in that. In that we see like Twitter running politics. Sometimes it feels like. Right. But mm -hmm. the percentage of people on Twitter versus the percentage of people alive is very, very small. <laughs> and but yeah. they have a, they appear to have a voice. But the truth is they don't. Um, it, yep, it, it's just sure. it's just I, anyway, I'm mixing my my metaphors here a little bit. But I my goal has always been to reach people who aren't online. And yes. somehow the podcast has done that. And so that to me is is um is a real accomplishment because those were people who were never going to hear these stories, and so they were yeah. just going to slog along doing what they were doing. Um, you can have an amazing Instagram presence, but you're really, I mean, even think about it. like if you got an Instagram picture and you put it up, what's a lot of like what's an amount of likes that makes you go, oh, holy hell, look at this. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it just really depends on your, on you, right? Your like, account number, yeah, and on you. Right. But no, I, I totally see what you're saying. That's yeah. actually what I was talking about earlier when we were talking about type one together. How I was like, you have to get in front of the right people. It's like Instagram isn't that. You know what I mean? Like, I really realized that over the last few months. Like, why am I focusing so much energy on social media when it's like, you know, these people are getting diagnosed in the hospital. They're not finding these accounts right away. Mm -hmm. They need, you know, this needs to be in the doctor's office. This needs to be. I don't know. I'm working on that. But like, that's where the real difference when you're actually going to be making a difference in people's lives, because the truth is all the people that are connected, they already are connected. They already see all the things, even if they don't know everything. It's like they see other people managing different ways. And, you know, once you're in it, you're already in it. And so you're only helping those people so much, just like you're saying. Yeah. So how do you find those people that are outside of that bubble? May I make a suggestion? Because yeah. I've been on your website and those crochet dolls are really adorable. Okay. So <laughs> thank you. Uh, please. I make one, two, three, four, five, ten, as many as I can afford to give away. And yeah. I I make a phone call. I talk to the endocrinology department at some major hospitals around the country and I say, I have this doll and I'd like to donate it for you to give to a mm -hmm. newly diagnosed person. And yes, and I actually I'm on that. <laughs> that's what I would do. It's awesome. Yeah, that's 100% what I would do. I don't have to put as much effort into it because what I get to do is I get to tell people, hey, like, tell your doctor about it. And then the doctor listens and the doctor's like, huh. And then the doctor starts telling other people <laughs> about it. 
I get my my. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, my word of mouth is easier, but your thing would could do that. You know, you could find yourself yeah. going from. 10 oh yeah, to, I'm working on that. I'm in yeah. touch with some endos, so I I feel good. I'm on a good path, and hopefully, um, yeah, it'll just keep growing. I have a lot of exciting things. So I like it's your, all good. Yeah, no, I like your energy and your intent a lot. So. Thank um, you. No, please. You don't have to thank me. I'm just like, why would you thank me? I just do. Like, I, I like it. I think I think you're on the right path. I want to see you succeed with it and uh, and reach some people because I think you're going to make a big difference. So I, I appreciate it. No, I'm listen, I'm going to get old at some point. You guys have got to. I mean, how much longer <laughs> are you going to let me do this? Like when I'm 60 and I'm like, uh, today I helped Arden give birth to her first child and we kept her blood Aww. sugar stable. Like, like at some point you're going to be like. My God, how long has this guy been making this podcast? I got to get up. <laughs> so tell me something about that too. Because you said at the beginning, um, I listened to a couple of episodes because I haven't listened to as much lately. Uh, what's mm-hmm. that like? Because I imagine when you first found it, you were listening a lot, right? Oh, yeah. Every single episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I still like listening. But yeah, I think now I definitely listen more for just hearing people's perspectives on things and different stories versus like all the info um, and tips that you're giving to people directly. So I, yeah, I think it's like you get to a point where you're like, okay, I kind of have this figured out. I'm in a flow of it. Um, and you learn things here and there, but, but you kind of have it figured out. So yeah. I guess I'm in that place. <laughs> no, that's, that's where I want you to be. That's where I want. I still want you to stay um, subscribed in your podcast app and download the episodes. But, yeah, but 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 I, that's what that's my hope for everybody. It, it's funny. Um, you have to be in a mindset where you realize that this resets constantly, and yes. um, and it does. Like I will, I am right now in contact with people online who are fervent about the podcast. I love them, and they don't realize that six months from now. I will be in contact with somebody online who's fervent about the podcast that is not them. And that it just, yeah. it, it's like snakeskin. It just keeps shedding. People come in, they get what they need, and then they become, you know, infrequent listeners or they hit certain episodes, but they get what they need out of it and they move on. To me, that's the goal. And yeah. the problem, I think, in social media specifically is that your goal can't be to. So, so stop for a second. Instead of thinking of the podcast as I'm hoping to find a person who needs help, give them enough information that they can go live normally. Think of it as like a business, like take the diabetes out for a second. What business finds a customer, gives them something they want, has them really enjoy it. And their end goal is for them to stop buying it. No, no business has that end goal. Right. Mm -hmm. So these the delivery system that people are using is not right for the for the for the process the process wants you to be able to find educate pass on back to life but if your social media followers leave you then your social media becomes less powerful and then you cycle out and someone else comes back and it's yeah. a it, so it's a weird hump to get over in your head that you have to want these people to age out where some people yeah but there's always new ones coming in too right well that's the sad case that's the sad part yes but but yeah there's always new people getting type 1 diabetes but what i see sometimes not from you obviously 
But what I see sometimes is that people, instead of selling, like if, again, thinking about it as merchandise, instead of selling good information that gets you out of it, they sell fear that keeps you there. Mm, and that, yeah, and that, yeah, that that's happens so too true frequently. And sad. Yeah, that happens too frequently. Um, and yeah. it takes a special person like you to not want to, like not to not be so inner focused that you're like, well, I've captured this listener now or this reader or this person. I need to keep them here. I need to keep them here. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I don't want that. I want the opposite. I want you to come and like, just go away. Like I want everyone to have the experience I had the other night where Arden had like a massively weird blood sugar thing. And I could have managed it while riding a unicycle and juggling. Like it just, it's just, <laughs> you know what I mean? You, it happens for yeah. you too. I imagine just, you know, you just know what to do. So right. that's very yeah. cool. Did your mom like me? Yes, she was very excited. I actually called her this morning. I didn't know if we were going to talk about my diagnosis story, but I was like, can you please tell me like what it was? Because I know it, but I also like forget all the little details that she was so excited. How, old, was, how old were you? I was going to record finally. Well, I was five. Um, 19 years And I kind of had a weird, a weird story because I actually got diagnosed in a really positive way. I just went to my normal five-year-old checkup and they happened to like check something I don't know if it was like a urine sample or they actually pricked my finger but I went home like everything you know they said was normal but they called her and they were like oh your your child might have juvenile diabetes which is what they used to call it mm -hmm. and um they were like bring her back tomorrow but have her eat a really sugary breakfast before she comes and so she was like okay no problem like got me donuts or whatever and uh went back tested again and they were like all right come back tomorrow fasted so then I came back a third day without eating anything and they were like, yeah, your child has type one, but there's no space in the hospital right now. So <laughs> I went home for like a full two days without going to the hospital. I guess she doesn't remember what my blood sugar was, but it wasn't super high yet. So I guess they weren't too concerned. And then I finally went to the hospital and was there for a few days and it was right. Yeah, it was around my fifth birthday. So I had my birthday party scheduled and my mom had been telling me all week long, like, like, oh, you're going to get to go to the, go to your birthday party. Like, it's going to be so great. Like that was the one positive thing that was like coming up. Mm -hmm. And then apparently there was like a student doctor there that was working with us. And she told my mom, like, sorry, she can't go to her birthday party. And so my mom was like begging my actual endo. She ended up being my endo for years and years. And, um, she was like, oh yeah, you're fine. Like you guys are ready to go home. And so we left the hospital, drove straight to my birthday party where I was late so like all my friends were there, whatever. We were late to my fifth birthday party. And I remember still, I mean, I don't remember much, but I remember having to get a shot at my birthday party, which is so sad, but I had to like go into a separate room and, you know, get my shot for my cake. So yeah, but it was actually, it was good because now hearing all the stories of people just not knowing forever and ever, it's like, why can't doctors just check blood sugar? Like, it's not that hard. So <laughs> what's well, interesting that they it's cool that they figured out there was nothing that led them to look. It was just part of the process. Yeah. Nothing. She said she, she kept trying to figure out like what, you know, if there were signs that she missed and there was nothing. I mean, I did have a virus the week before sometime around there that they think might've triggered it. Who knows? Um, so I'd been sick, but other than that, I wasn't like peeing a lot or hadn't had lost a lot of weight. So weight. yeah. Cause lost weight was the one that popped into my head. Like maybe if you, <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm dying here. Give me a second. <clears throat> wow. Um, uh, that was the one that got me like, I wonder if maybe you were like, you know, 
50 pounds the last time and were like 42 and they were like, oh, you know, but they, that's the only thing yeah. I could think of. But it's just a good office that's checking for things. I guess so. Excellent. Yeah, you got lucky. lucky. Yeah, it feels lucky, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but see, I like the, so lucky. Yeah, so lucky. I I just um I, I like the idea of you like breaking out of the hospital and like going right to a birthday party. It's baller, you know. I know it was pretty great. I'm surprised my mom didn't just cancel it when all that was going on. But she just she was telling me this morning she just wanted me to have that so badly. She was like, I told the doctor even if we just go to the party and come back, like she has to have this because I'd had the worst week. And yeah. the other thing I do remember is asking my mom in the hospital if I was going to have to get shots for the rest of my life, which. I think that was like her worst moment of her life having to tell me yes. Um, and I was really scared of shots. Like before that I would be like running away from the nurse, you know, if I was just getting a flu shot or something like always terrified of needles. And honestly it didn't get better for a while. Like I remember every sight change was painful. I feel so bad looking back and like seeing other parents go through the same thing with their kids. I, did not make it easy for my parents at all. Yeah. But well, you little yeah. listen, try to imagine a three year old Arden with my personality in a three year old's body running from shots because that used <laughs> to happen here all the time. I'd be like, Hey, Arden, we just have to give you insulin. She'd look at me and smile and take off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, Get back here. And you're so nervous about the whole thing. You're like, This isn't going to be enough insulin or it's going to be too much. And you know, the next hour is going to be terrible and her blood sugar is going to get really low and I'm going to be testing all the time. And I don't want to test her all the time. And meanwhile, she's being adorable, you know, and you're just like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think it's worse for parents sometimes. I really do. I mean, it definitely sucks being type one. But like, wow. Yeah, the parents are the real. They call them super parents in my in type one together. We always say they're super parents because they you just work so hard. Listen, I'm going to say this again because I don't think people are listening. Here's the worst mistakes you can make in life. Buy a dog. That's horrible. <laughs> Have kids. Get married. Now, here's why. The dog is just obvious. One day, you're going to want to do something, and you can't because, you know, the dog can't come, or you can't leave the dog somewhere for so long. It literally changes the course of your life. I love my dogs. Okay. Not enough to make up for the kennel costs and the amount of times I've picked dog crap off of a floor and you know because like you're like you're like you know what I'm gonna sleep in tomorrow like, I, let me treat myself and sleep till nine o'clock and at 8 30 the dog's just like hey he's usually down here by now hmm I'm just gonna leave this here okay so that that's the first thing uh, uh, okay. no dogs right now can you get great joy out of dogs of course you can but that's not what we're talking about right now children okay you are gonna love that kid in a way that is incomparable to anything that you've experienced yet, Raquel, okay? Yeah. And their pain and their struggle will hit you a million times over. It will burden you in your heart and in your mind. It will kill you to see them in pain. And once you love them, you can't get out of it because it's illegal to kill people. Do you understand? Plus, you love them so much, you couldn't do it anyway. It would make you too upset. So the problem is now you've made the baby. It's out. The fun part with the sex is long forgotten. And <laughs> and now this kid uh, is perfect. And even when they're perfect, you worry about them. What's their future going to be like? What are they going to do? Who are they going to meet? Is someone going to come along and you know dissuade them from being themselves? It, but then you make them sick. You give them diabetes or something like that. And it's something you can't just make go away or fix. It's the worst feeling in the world. It is absolutely yeah. the worst feeling in the world. And then obviously my third thing being married is self-explanatory. But um, 
I just say this because one day I imagine <laughs> Kelly will listen to the podcast. <laughs> but um, but no, but seriously, like you, when you create an attachment to a living thing, you're always letting it down after that. And and to not joke too much about dogs, I never wanted a dog because I feel very responsible for the dog. And then if I don't give the dog the best care that I can, it makes me feel badly. And therefore, I know this seems backwards, but I never wanted a dog because I didn't want the opportunity to let the dog down and for me to feel the way that makes me feel. And then that's how I feel about children, except about a bazillion times more than that. So yeah. wait till you see. Wait till some boy tricks you into oh, making yeah. a baby. <laughs> You'll think you're tricking him, but he'll be like, oh, she can't go anywhere if she has a baby with me. But it's really not how it works either. But that's how stupid boys think. That's a different problem. Okay, so are there any dumb boys in your life? Yeah, I've actually been with my boyfriend for seven years almost. Oh, Raquel. So, you were yeah. two years away from being married and three years away from having a baby. We'll see. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know how this stuff goes. You think your life is random, but step back and look at everyone else's life. It's the way it goes. <laughs> you're sweet, you're very kind, and you're hardworking, right? Pretty girl. This, what does this kid do for a living? What, what do we got him doing? Is he in college still? Is he working? Um, he So he was working for a tech startup in Austin, but he did get laid off. Um and is getting his real estate license. So that'll be interesting. Well, that's good. I'm glad he's having a, a a problem working because that'll keep him from wanting to lock you down. You know what I mean? He'll feel, <laughs> he'll feel like, don't let him. And by the way, don't let him give you some ring if he doesn't have a good job. You understand? I understand. Raquel, Raquel gets a place to live. You understand? It's clean. It's nice. We have upper mobility and a little bit of savings. Otherwise, yes. no thank you. You and whatever his cute face is and why ever you like him. I don't know why exactly. And, um, you know, why do you like him? He's, we just have so much fun together. We were best friends for a year before we started dating in high school. So, I don't know, just like having that friendship first. Um, he's really hardworking. He's also just more on the, I guess, mature side. Like, we both are kind of like, all right, we, we're not like typical 20-year-olds, I guess. Obviously, I started a business young as people would say but you know we don't like love just going out drinking and i don't know we like being more thoughtful with our time and doing more i don't know how to put it in a way that people won't think it sounds crazy it does not, you're, you're... but we just we like a lot of the same things we like going outside a lot which austin is great for and um yeah we just have a lot of fun and it's just nice that we've known each other for so long so yeah. you both kind of have an old soul vibe because you do. Yes, there we go. Yeah. Yes, we do. Like, I could talk to you and easily believe you're 50. And so, you know, <laughs> like, not now, like you're, you know, but there are times yes. where I, the things you do and the things that you, I, listen, I appreciate that. I'm not a crazy person either. I don't, um, I don't have a problem with people who want to run around and party and do all that stuff. I just, none, yeah, of, that, exactly. none of that occurs to me. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, oh, yeah. seems like a lot of effort. Exactly. Uh, like, yeah. like my excitement this week is that Kelly's birthday is on Sunday. And I've already made pizza dough to make her a pizza for her birthday. And to me, that seems That's like so a nice. full week, Raquel. <laughs> and yeah, a girl like you would appreciate that, right? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Meanwhile, you party girls out there, and I know who you are. I talk to some of you moms. I know what you I know what you're doing. I see your high cheekbones. <laughs> you would be like, Oh, so boring. Uh, but that's what I got. You know, it's what what uh what seems right to me. Well, listen, obviously you yeah. should do whatever you want, and I'm not in charge. 
But what I will tell you is that once you launch that boat in that direction, it keeps moving in that direction. So be yeah. sure you want to be on the SS. We're hitched and going to make a baby <laughs> and have a house before you get onto it. You can't get on and get back off again. The worst you could do is like throw one of those orange rings around yourself and throw yourself into the water. But that's not a way to live. So <laughs> thank you. Yeah. You know, I it, thank you. You're like, shut up, idiot. You don't need my help. No, I like your advice. It's good. Do you really? <laughs> Do you need advice on anything else? Yeah, it's fun. Anything else uh, I could just, just diabetes. I think I, I think you've given me lots of advice. <laughs> you don't want to hear my thoughts about sneakers and and, and properly supporting <laughs> your your arch. You don't want to hear about that. <laughs> I'll save that for next podcast. <laughs> I tell you right now, twenty years from now, when your feet hurt, you'll be like that guy. Probably had something to say about that, and I wasn't listening. You know, don't let your flat, don't let your feet be flat, Raquel. Do you understand? Ruin your life. Got it. Ruin your life. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Is there? I, there's got to be something we didn't talk about that you were hoping to talk about. Um, not really. I will say I was a dancer. I was a dance major in college, and I went to performing arts high school for dance, which definitely like also informed a lot of my just type one. It was so hard dancing. Not much with type one, and I still I still am a dancer, but with COVID, it's it's kind of slowed down. But just want to put that out there in case anyone hears this and has like a child who is a dancer. Cause I'm always happy to, to talk about that life. Well, let me ask you a question. So back then you're dancing, right? And it's before, mm -hmm. you know, I'm assuming before your, your ideas of how to manage your insulin were, were rock solid. Yes. What'd you do? Did you mm -hmm. drive your blood sugar up so that while you danced, it came down and didn't go too low? Yeah. Honestly, I think about that a lot. I'm like, how did I actually do that? Um, I think, I remember going to the side of the room and like pricking my finger all the time. This is before I had a CGM and um, sitting out quite often because I had to drink juice or whatever. And luckily I had really supportive teachers, but it definitely made it, it was just frustrating. So it's like, you know, especially like in front of a choreographer or something like that, if you're auditioning, um, just not knowing if they, if they're going to see that, am I going to have to run to the side and that's going to be considered rude, you know, cause you don't always get a chance to tell every single person that you're type one. Um, depending on the situation, even though I would be very upfront about it. And that was a big reason why I didn't want to get a CGM because it would be more visible on my body. And you don't really want that to be seen in an audition because as much as you want to think that they're not considering that as a factor, like it's definitely, it's there, you know what I mean? And sure. like, like no, no matter how good I am, like there's still that question of, will they take someone who's equally as talented, but doesn't have to sit out and miss some of the choreography or rehearsal time. So um, you know, I don't really know. I, I always had a lot of juice and snacks with me and, um, somehow I made it work, but I really think I was just on the roller coaster all the time because yeah, I would start to go up and then I would come down and have to drink juice. And it was just that cycle. And then when I got a Dexcom and I got the Apple watch, that was really nice. Cause I could leave my stuff on the side of the room and still know what my blood sugar was doing. And so I started to like micro dose and things. Um, while I would, you know, I'd have my pump off a lot of the time, pretty much all the time. Um, unless I was doing like ballet, something that wasn't like super, like you're not rolling around the floor and like running all over the place. Yeah. Um, but it would just be too hard to have my pump on. And I have cracked my T-slim before while dancing. So, <laughs> um, but I would start to like, you know, watch the arrows on my Dexcom during class. And then if I was starting to go up a little bit, I would just run to the side, plug in my pump, give myself like 0.4, whatever it was I thought I needed. And then run back so I don't know it was it was interesting I was on the Medtronic 670 for a second <laughs> did not go well that's a whole nother story but like part of the problem was I wouldn't have my pump on all the time and so it was like 
I had to know in my brain, what am I doing right now? Am I going to be rehearsing for the next four hours? What have I eaten today? Like taking all those factors into consideration and then making the decision, I need to give myself 0.7, not like, you know, what my pump wants me to give me. So it was, it kind of forced me to like learn all that stuff in my brain and figure it out. But I definitely don't have it figured out. Like I still, you just, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I see as much people, as you know, you don't know. Yeah, I see people all the time. Like you know, I my son eats apples with peanut butter before he plays soccer, and I'm always like, eh. I mean, I guess that that works. That's cool. But I I always thought about it as like, how do I manipulate the insulin so that this doesn't happen? Like that was because I go I went through a number of really frightening lows with Arden when she was much younger, and I didn't know what I was doing, and we didn't have any technology, and one of them was outside of a dance class. And, you know, mm-hmm. it was one of the times I was like, she's going to die. Like, I am not going to catch this fast enough. And, you know, when it was over, I was like, and I knew she was okay. I was completely shaken. Like, I just, I, I yeah. it was, I felt like somebody was shooting at me. And, like, it was my job to, like, reach up and, like, slap the bullets down. They were going to hit Arden. And it just felt like it went on forever. And... Yeah. It was one of the moments that made me think like, there's got to be a better way to do this. Like, this can't really be it, can it? You know, like, we're just mm-hmm. going to do this forever. And um, that's when I started thinking more about the insulin. Like, you know, there's got to be better ways to use this insulin than what we're doing right now. Um, like, you know, don't get me wrong, like, you know, but I still like, you know, Arden's played softball and played four or five games in a day and stopped for lunch in the middle. And, you know, she'd go into a deli and grab a sandwich and soup and chips and, I just yep. bolus for it and send it back out there. And uh, mm-hmm. once you realize that if you balance the insulin with the food, it it works out. Um, uh, it's just such a it's just a big leap. It's so for freeing. Me. Yeah, yeah. It, it just yeah. really is because that other stuff is so goddamn scary. Like it's just. Oh yeah. I I can remember vividly how all that feels, and uh, you know, people. I don't want people to feel that way. So anyway, yeah. Raquel, you were delightful. You were delightful when I met you. I really want to thank you for the ride to the airport and for not murdering me. I think that was lovely of you. Uh, was there any thoughts of murdering me in the no no? Because that would be the time to say. Or did you ever consider kidnapping me or breaking? I wouldn't my... tell you if I was. <laughs> well, it's too late now. Like you could just. So, may I ask a question before I let you go? Of course. How was it weird when I was like, "Hey, can you take me to the airport?" No, it wasn't weird. <laughs> I mean. I don't think so. Cause I, I mean, no, I feel this is weird. Well, I'm sure a lot of people tell you this, but it's like, I feel like I know you a lot better than of course, you know me. Cause I hear your voice all the time. Like, even when I've been on this podcast just now, like I'm hearing your voice and I kind of had to remind myself, like I'm talking to him. I'm not just like washing the dishes and <laughs> listening to you talk, you know? <laughs> so I feel like it wasn't that weird. I mean, we had talked all day and, um, I mean, you've done so much for my life and I know so many others. And so, you know, I didn't mind at all. That was, it's very nice of you. I just wondered from your perspective, like, what's that like? Like, if a, but you're on a different generation. Like, even then, you know, asking you came because there was a group of people who all went to do something afterwards and I was invited yeah. to come and then they were going to go to the airport afterwards. It's just like, and it, it seemed like a lovely, I, I don't remember what it was anymore, but it seemed lovely and I was up for doing it. And then I just was like, uh, no, I'll just go to the airport. <laughs> like, yeah, those days are tiring. Like, I was so exhausted by the end of that day. Yeah, I think they were all going 
to do something. But my mom and I were just like, all right, we're tired. <laughs> yeah, I, I get. Oh my god, I know what it is. Were they going to go throw axes? Oh my, yeah. Well, am I right about that? Do that. Okay. So, <laughs> like, you know, in, in the middle of the day, when somebody's like, "Hey, when this is over, we're going to throw axes and then go to the airport," I'm like, "All right, uh, okay." And you should come. And I'm like, all right. And then by the end of the day, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. Like, I just like, I want to throw my ass at a seat in the airport, wait for my plane. I don't want to throw it. <laughs> I just want to go home. And cause Dallas yes. is like, uh, that's a long, it was a long flight for me. And oh yeah, it was the first, it was the, it was the last time I was ever on one of those big air buses. You know, the ones that are like eight rows in the middle and, three on either side and it feels like you're in a mall that can fly have you ever been in one of those i think so yeah, yeah. really giant ones yeah it's just massive and you lost your ipad right that was I lost that my whole ipad thing. in that trip uh, yeah i eventually <laughs> i mess up once a trip on something that was the one when <laughs> i got happened. there the, the the um the hotel was like we don't have a, a credit card on file for you i was like well you better contact the jdrf and get it and they were you know, and they were like no you can just give us yours and get the money back from them and i went mm, yeah i'm not doing that it's <laughs> like i'll go home first just in case you're wondering <laughs> and not because of yeah. the money by the way recall because i don't want to spend the next three months trying to get 150 dollars back from somebody just it's oh my god it oh, fries my mind even thinking about doing paperwork like that all right um you were terrific what's your website type one together.com and the one is o-n-e it's spelled out look at you being all proper yeah type one together.com <laughs> so it's um, and we're the same on instagram and facebook just at type one together not an org right like it's a it's not a not-for-profit it's correct i yeah at least <laughs> for now um especially with the babysitting thing it's just like what made sense at the time so as we're evolving We'll see what happens. But I there's a lot of ways that we are, you know, giving back in other ways to the diabetes community without being yeah. a nonprofit. So. Oh, no. You, I'm not judging you. Listen, I would never make this. But I, it's been. Oh, I know. Yeah. People are like, you know, you could be a nonprofit. I'm like, oh, again, it just seems like a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I have, to, like, right, a, I'm have a board of it's directors a and like, you know, I'm like, you, you, you yeah. think I'm going to build this podcast up and then let someone else be in charge of it. I was like, mm, mm. <laughs> weird world are you living in? I actually know someone who started an amazing diabetes charity 10 years ago that helped a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that person ended up getting ousted from it because the board of directors decided they didn't like his direction. Like, yeah, it's, no. It's like <laughs> somebody cool. taking your 18-year-old kid and going, eh, it's ours now. <laughs> I'm like, no, yeah, wait, no. what? So, yeah, I, I'm not into the, all that. I don't like um, – I don't play well with others. I don't like listening to other people's opinions. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's working for you, so. I I just, I would be, if you put me in a room and you were like, now Bill gets to talk, I'd be like, who is Bill? Like, I don't, like, Bill's the, I don't, I don't want his opinion. I don't care about his opinion. Like, his opinion got him on my board of directors. I'm, my opinion is the (laughs) one that made the thing. Like, like, why would, you know what I mean? Like, that's just a weird world to be involved in. I don't, I don't like the idea of it, so. Yep. Anyway. You get it. That's it. Listen to me. I'm like, I don't like charities. You know what else I don't like? (laughs) Big planes <laughs> and flat feet. <laughs> really, this podcast is just me complaining about things. Uh, so I, I realize now. Right, well, I really appreciate you doing this. I, I I hope everything goes well and that you're not overrun by zombies in Texas. And um, and that especially because <laughs> all the Texas zombies will have guns. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> Raquel, can you shoot a gun? 
I cannot. I have not done that yet. You've never done that? <laughs> I haven't. Born in Dallas? Born in Dallas, yep. Raised in Dallas, Too never shot much of a city, yeah. You ever held one? Uh, I think so. I Maybe. Haven't. I haven't even held one. <laughs> I don't know why I brought that up. Just I assume everyone, like, in my mind, Texas is just like, everyone has three guns. They're taped to their foreheads. Have you been to Austin? No. I almost was okay. there once, and then it didn't work out. Yeah. One day. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I will push stop and tell you why it is I never went there. No one else All right. listening. Well, Nobody else gets to Thank you for <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right. So everybody else, uh, you don't get to know what Raquel knows. Goodbye. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N.com forward slash juice box. Don't forget to head over to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. And of course, the Diabetes Pro Tip series is at diabetesprotip.com, juiceboxpodcast.com, and begins in your podcast player at episode 210. Check them out.